What's going on, everyone? Welcome to what seems to be the millionth episode this week of the Murfanko Experience. It's been one hell of a week uh, for me, at least, you know, uh, between yeah. <laughs> work, uh, writing, the podcast, and uh, my brain doing the, the screamies like they do sometimes. So, uh, yeah, that's been my week. But, guys, it's just me and me and Big Bear tonight. So, I'm going to introduce Murph. Murph, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Missed you. Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. It feels good. It feels like it's been been a while. You're keeping busy, and I'm just kind of, you know, life gets <laughs> in the way, and now I'm just kind of hanging out here. So I'm I'm happy to be back on here. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's 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 been a roller coaster ride so far. Uh, last episode, uh, that was for the podcast. We talked about uh, Barry Bonds and the hypocrisy and all of that shit. And then we see, well, things kind of happen the way we expected to, Mm -hmm. but there's a little bit of a twist to it. Known steroid user, but fun, funny guy, David Ortiz, gets in on his first ballot. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a character's clause thing, right? Where, you know... uh, It's like an integrity... Yeah, integrity. It's it's very, mm. yeah, yeah. So like, let, let me get this straight, right? Okay, Bud Selig, who was the commissioner at the time during the steroid era, mm-hmm. knowingly was aware, let's just say he was aware that steroids were going on. And he was like, you know what? We kind of had that brutal lockout and ratings have been down a shit ton all right, these guys are taking steroids. Let's have a home run race. Let's let's have all the major networks cover this. And you know what? Once they retire, we're going to change a whole bunch of shit and they can't get in. Because you think about it, man, they changed the 15 year to 10 year. And then all of a sudden we're starting to use this character clause and everything is out of whack. So, and obviously I wrote in today's piece for Around the Horn, Obviously, Hall of Fame voting isn't at the top of the priority of bad things baseball has going for it, but it's definitely a black eye on Major League Baseball. So, Murph, I want to get your thoughts on this whole Hall of Fame process, the hypocrisy that goes on. You know, where are you at with this? So, I, to complete, completely honest, I lost faith in the whole system like years ago with it. So you, you look how the system works and how the voting goes and all that. Was it Mariano Rivera was the first unanimous player to be voted in. So like the two highest people to be voted in Rivera and Jeter Yankees players. They're in the most popular and stuff like that. And it's not a knock on them. It's not a knock. They both, both deserve to be in. Rivera definitely deserves to be in, but you can't tell me that, Derek Jeter deserved more votes. And I guess it doesn't really matter, you know, because they got in, they got in. But when people aren't voting for players like Ken Griffey Jr. And, and the fact that it took to Mariano Rivera to be the first unanimous guy to be voted in, I, I feel like the system, that's kind of system needed, be, needed to be changed like a long time ago. And this is just another casualty of that. The fact that something needs to be done different yeah so yeah 
Okay, so in, in your opinion, do you think the voters for the Hall of Fame should be coaches, players, executives, someone in baseball that actually make, runs a team somehow? Making make, make the kit committee or something of that sort. Like, that's what the NFL does. NFL has, like, a, a Hall of Fame committee to where they, they, you know, they sit behind closed doors and they debate and they bring up each player. And, and I don't like how the NFL system kind of works because, if I'm not mistaken, I read at one point that they – um there has to be like a minimum amount of players that gets inducted. And I don't really, that, that I don't really like that. I feel like that's kind of forces too many people and that kind of takes the, the lure off of it, but yeah. they have their own committee to where they actually sit down and discuss. And these people are, these guys, these people are, that's their job. That's what they do. They, they're not, you know, part, I mean, like, you know what? I, I get I get the idea about having like writers doing it. They're the ones around the game all day and stuff like that. I think what it comes down to is accountability. Accountability to the fact that that you can sit in an empty ballot and not have to explain yourself. You can vote for whoever you want and not have to explain it to you. And most writers now they release their 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 ballot and they say here it yeah. is, fine, whatever. But like the amount of votes that Bonds was getting for the people who were showing and releasing their ballots. Yeah. He was on his way and get to getting it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's the people who refused to make their ballots public that everything came crashing down. I mean, well, at that point it's kind of obvious who voted for him, who didn't, because like if it took that much of a steep downfall, then clearly the ones who aren't didn't release it, didn't vote for him. But it's, it's the lack of accountability that you have to explain why or why not you might have done it. And it just creates too many gray areas with it. Yeah. And along with gray areas, you have a lot of guys with gray hairs that are doing the voting. A lot of old codgers who are stuck in their ways. And if you're a dick to them, well, you're not getting in. I'm just standing my ground. And I I get it. Or or there's like, it's just, the whole system is messed up, man. Yeah. And like, I heard something at one time, maybe, maybe it's not real. Maybe they're just kind of pushing, but like some people like refuse to vote for somebody the first year they're, they're eligible just because kind of thing. Yeah. And so like, where's the, you know, it should be like a yes or no thing. Like you can look at this guy and be you if you look at Ken Griffey Jr. and 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 not sure or think he has to wait a year or something like that or don't think he's up, then like we probably need to reevaluate like you you having a vote on this kind of thing. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's that's a lot more of an obvious thing than like the like I, I get it. He you know, Bonds like he more is the more than likely he, you know, all the signs point to yes, it's the like, you know, you you um quack like a duck sound like a duck whatever that that thing you know you're yeah. probably you know so like you know he, he more than likely did he never put he never popped positive on it it's so it's it's and and he's the great game's greatest hitter to to play i mean at least at least in my lifetime yeah i mean that and that's what so. we can speak on right we can speak mm-hmm. on just our lifetime you know and, and i think there's a there's i don't know i don't want to boot people out who busted their ass to get a vote no. i really don't no but I think there needs to be some kind of youth infusion involved in this somehow, man. When you got guys voting for j- just Jeff Kent year after yeah. year after year, there becomes a problem with that. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and in the last podcast episode, I said, that's kind of like leaving a penny as a tip to a waitress. It's just more disrespectful than doing nothing at all. And I don't know, man, like, like I said, this isn't the, the biggest issue with baseball, but it's something that needs to be said and talked about because we're talking about hall of fame, not hall of saints. We're talking yeah. about the best players of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. And Barry Bonds. Yeah. He probably took steroids, human growth hormone, whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure. Sammy Sosa. Yeah. Roger Clemens. Yeah. Mark McGuire. Definitely. Not everyone was putting up the numbers these cats were. Not everyone. And a lot of people were taking steroids at that time. So there becomes a point where you're like, damn, that player is still pretty damn good because they're putting up these numbers despite everyone else taking the same thing they are. It's a level playing Mm -hmm. field. So I don't see the issue whatsoever. And maybe it's because you broke Hank Aaron's record and everyone's talking about, oh, well, we got to keep tradition and history and that's an asterisk. And who gives a shit? He broke the record. He's the greatest hitter of all time that I've seen. Let the man in. Like, that's how I feel, man. Like, I I don't know. How... I, like I've heard this floated around and I, I like how what would you think of like if baseball made so like he doesn't get he, he's not inducted officially into the Hall of Fame but what if they made like a special wing for that specific era to recognize the players of that era and yeah. obviously that, that's a way to recognize bonds and everyone like that what, what would you feel about that he would still go in the Hall of Fame yeah, he just like him officially wouldn't be. It's it's kind of like putting him there with an asterisk kind of thing. Yeah, and and Mike brought this up too. Um, if he is inducted, and he still can be by the players' committee. There, I mean, there is yeah. another committee. Mm-hmm. He has a chance. And yeah, and it's a bigger chance, I think, dealing with them instead of the writers. Yeah, he'll get but in you, eventually this way. But you gotta say the whole story. You can't yeah. just say all the good parts. You got to mm-hmm. say, well, he is suspected of steroids, this, that, and the other. So I'm all for that. Mention that. But at least mm-hmm. recognize the man for what he did. Yeah, he's an asshole. Yeah. I don't like the man personally. But at the end of the day, this comes to objectivity, man. You got to be objective when it comes to this. Greatest player of all time in my generation ever, bar none. Let the man in. That's all I got to yeah. say on you know, any last thoughts with that for you before we move on to the next topic? No, I, I think everything that has to be said has been said, but this is just kind of a final blow over, over a system that, that's been broken for, for years. And it was only a matter of time before we got to a point to where someone that should have been put in didn't get put in. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I guess it probably should have been obvious that it would be Bonds and Clemens and and stuff like that. But no, it, there there is one thing I do want to bring up. Carlos Beltran is going to be on the ballot next year, and sign stealing. And I wrote about this on today's Around the Horn. Is that going to be treated like the steroids now? Is that going to be the new character clause thing? Because when you look at Beltran's resume, you can argue that he is a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. 
but the whole science dealing thing, I, I, I don't know, man, that falls into the same play with steroids for me. Everyone can do it, but you still have to have the talent in order to turn that ball into the stands. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's going to be a good test to see where, where it's at. Because, like, if he if he just comes out and even if he doesn't make it the first year and he's, like, really close, he's still getting votes, then it's, like, that's that's it. Something something needs to be done. Something needs to be changed. Yes. Because you can't, you can't tell me the situations aren't that different from each other. Like, but like, yeah, he got caught. They, they got caught though. Yeah. Like you could, you can make an argument, like how many people actually knew what not this, that, and all that stuff. Well, they kind of the, threw the him under is, the bus. Yeah. Yeah. He was the big name target and what they call him El Jefe or the Godfather or something. Yeah. The whole clubhouse. Dude. The only thing is that that could save could save the writers and all that is like you said he he probably is like a borderline guy so you can make a case to keeping him out for a couple years just because he may be a guy that everything all that withstanding might need to some moment to gain some momentum before he can get in yeah so I I think I think they look out because he he is probably like a borderline guy anyways yeah yeah and you know you look at this year with like Scott Rollins. Scott Rollins was close. You know, it's, it it takes years to get into the hall of fame with baseball and and it's kind of broken in that way. You know what I mean? If if they're there, they're there. Like, why do you got to drag this shit out for 10 years? Yeah. Why? It makes no sense. They've already been retired for what, four or five years. Yeah. He, he, he's not any more or any less a hall of famer than he has been since he retired exactly like, like <laughs> what exactly is changing from this year to next year what is if he's not playing geriatric league like are you keeping yeah. numbers on like rec league shit like <laughs> come on man it's ridiculous but no we we, we got to move on to the next topic because my blood's kind of boiling with that shit I, I don't know why but that topic always gets me like a little pissed off I, you know people go why are you pissed off it's not even dealing with you I, you don't you don't get it man it's my brain it's how it works but CBA talks have begun again this week. Um, players counter proposal and then a meeting the next day happened and not a real lot of things happened. It, it was kind of like they showed up, they said their piece, they left and we're kind of left in the middle of the desert here, man. We're not sure what's going to happen. I mean, players were disappointed from what it seems on the other counter offer. So where are you when it comes to CBA shit and like, what's going to happen, man? Are we going to miss some games? What, what's going on? Well, I can speak to me. I'm not going to miss any games because <laughs> like, I'm not going to watch that. Like the pirates aren't giving me much of a reason to watch them. If, if I'm going to sit down uh, one night after work, I'm not going to watch the pirates when I could watch like the Bradenton Mar- Marauders. That, that's just, that's just me. That's fair. But, but I mean, with the way that it, it it just seems like, yes, maybe they're talking a lot more, which is good, which is important. But I don't think things are moving quick enough to the point to where I don't think we're going to, we probably are looking at missing some games yeah. or maybe doing like a reduced spring training thing. Um, it's going to be messed up. Like, yeah, we saw what happened real- the last time. Yeah, do spring training. So maybe I mean maybe you add an extra 
roster spot for the first month or something like that to to help with the the pitching so as everyone gets stretched out you could always do something like that um I don't know man I don't know it's just like like I've heard so many um things it's like this has just been they've pushed back so much issues for so long and now we're at the point now to where all of these issues are boiling over and we can band-aid it really quickly and, and yeah. get some baseball and deal with it in about two years or a couple of years or whatever, yeah. or we can miss some time and, and really get this, this hammered out. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's the stuff that's being talked about. It's in, in the grand scheme of thing, things. I don't think these, like some of the, you know, like the service time and, and some of the stuff, I don't think that's, going to be where like the the final deal is going to be made mm-hmm. so i feel like the revenue sharing and all that kind of stuff lately kind of seems like that's been pushed to the back burner while they get maybe they're just worrying about the smaller details first but which is I don't kind know. Of, I, I, it seems I, like I a cop out doesn't it like worrying about the smaller yeah. details yeah it's like yeah. okay let's get the easy get, stuff out of the way first get, but... get the big thing done and then you just kind of roll to the finish line at that mm-hmm. point yeah that's yeah. how it should be and 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 you're yeah. and like i don't know if you're with me but the biggest things that need to be handled are definitely service time that needs to be handled quickly yeah. because roster man, or manipulation of service time is one of the biggest issues in baseball in my opinion you know you have guys on a team for a shit ton of years and then once they're able to get their big time contract you know they're they're at the age where it's like oh it's it's kind of old man for you know 100 million 200 million dollar contracts what's going on here and you know they're signing for 10 11 12 years because that's kind of how baseball works so Mm -hmm. when you get and and this probably isn't in the pirates favor whatsoever when we talk about this because that's what we do we keep guys who have a long time left Mm -hmm. But when you allow guys to reach free agency at a younger age, that kind of creates more excitement in baseball. It creates more, in my opinion, more competitiveness. It kind of makes smaller market teams say, okay, we got to spend a little more here. That's just me though. How do you feel with that? I mean, you can look at that twofold. Yeah. It it forces to stay, to try to get competitive. Yeah. You're going to have to start spending more because players are more players are going to start hitting free agency during their prime years as opposed to like getting, like you said, those eight, nine, 10 year contracts when they're in their thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, but also it can be like at that point, like the player can just like, you know, I, I'm going to hit free agency at 26. Like I have no incentive to, to, uh, to resign with this team to not test free agency out there because like, I'm a really good player. I'm entering free agency, my prime, someone is going to pay me an insane amount of money. And then just knowing that, like what chance does any of the mid or low market teams have at that point to sign anyone? Yeah. You can force them to spend more, but like if they're still getting outbid, if players still don't want to come to a certain city and stuff like that. And like I've said it before, it's a two way street with this stuff. We can say that the pirates want to spend more, but the, the, the player has to agree to that the player has to want to sign and want to sign with these teams. And, and like, if, 
if they just want to go to Florida where the, the tax is lower or, or, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, I mean, if you're going to make an extra $10 million over a contract, the same exact contract in, in Florida that you would in Pittsburgh, like, yeah, I'm going to sign in Florida. So. Yeah. uh, Weather's better. And, and like you said, (laughs) tax-free, like. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Half your games are going to be tax-free. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I get it. I, I get it. And, you know, you could also say the Pirates might spend more on a player like Yoshi Sutsugo and pay him, you know, whatever they're going to pay him when, you know, you have to start being competitive again. So it's like, yeah, you're spending more money, but who are you spending it on? Yeah. That's, and, and I know we've talked about that before with like, like the, the Tyler, and, the Tyler Anderson thing, like you yeah. signed him for two and a half million dollars, you know, last year you're forced to just spend money you're just signing this same tyler anderson for 10 million dollars now yeah so it's it's there's got to be all all this falls on so like i i think it's funny and i don't i don't necessarily like to get into politics too much i don't like to to mix politics and and sports and stuff like that yeah you know sports enough can be a headache as is but don't you feel like sometimes like baseball is like the ultimate representation of this country right now like like the the high market teams the ones with the money and stuff like that they're the ones who benefit in the end and yeah. like the rest of them just kind of get the short end of it yeah and i i feel like everything everything that that's been done or could be done in a way you can look at it is just trying to screw the the the, the little guy like you can i you can force the pirates to spend 100 million a year we're if if a free like when it comes down to it, we're gonna we're gonna have to be signing the Tyler Andersons and not the Jameson Tyons or whoever the big or the Garrett Coles because the Garrett Coles is gonna want to go to the Yankees and not the Pirates. So yeah. we're still gonna get the leftovers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can thank Scott Boris for all that shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, was I saw another thing too, and with like no hope that anything productive is gonna get done because like the people sitting in on the 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 meetings and stuff like that for the five or like 80 percent of the players or something like that are all scott boris clients yeah yeah so it, it's like okay kind of has like a monopoly when it comes to yeah. baseball so, so it's like okay any deal that's going to be worked out do you think that's going to favor right that's going to favor the guys that make a 300 million contracts yeah. and things of that sort yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it is a it's a whole mess. Baseball is a mess. And I think we chose a sport that is messy because maybe it represents our brains. I, I don't know, man. It's... I can I see it. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. You know, the, I, I, I can't really uh, articulate what who's the big guy in our brains, what, what thought is the big guy, what's the little guy, but I'll find it eventually. I, I don't try to spend I don't like to spend too much time up there in my head so. <laughs> it's a scary place <laughs> terrifying what goes on in the mind of the big bear hmm let's see let's let's think about yeah. it yeah no. yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, but we don't want to think about that no no we don't I don't want to think about what goes on in my head man I yeah. I, I drive home and I'm like okay I got to put on loud music because like it'll drown out the noise mm-hmm. um what were we talking about? Oh yeah, baseball. We were talking about yeah. baseball. Um, <laughs> okay. Now 
let's let's get into this whole because the reason I'm pausing here is just due to the fact that it's coming up again, and that's Brian Reynolds' trade talk and the Marlins coming in again as favorites, and everyone and their mama is like jumping out of their beds, and it's like Jesus Christ, man, why are we talking about this again? It, we're first off, we're we're in the middle of a lockout. There are far more important things to talk about than, than <laughs> Brian Reynolds um, being traded. But since it's being talked about, I mean, it's it's going to be talked about until either it happens or he gets an extension. Yeah. And if when he gets an extension, that really just pushes it back to about a year before the extension is up, right? so bob not gonna trade him in eight years now (laughs) so whatever whatever this extension is subtract that by one that's how much time you have till trade talks start again yeah i mean that's that's just a factor what it is and and it's like okay i i don't want to come off as like an apologist and and anything like that but it's it's just a casualty of how the sport is designed right now that if we happen to get a really good player you can probably expect that let me let me put it this way the the Tampa Bay Rays have this have this system packed down packed they they do all that how many people here really believe that Wander Franco is going to finish that contract out in, in a Tampa Bay uniform no zero zero no. zero no he's not going to finish that contract out how long did he and sign for i forget was it 10 did he get 10 years it might be 10 hold on folks now i gotta google yeah, but <laughs> but no one no one assumes that he's going to finish that contract out in tampa it's but they have a system that works and it's the system that we have to use and think about it too. They signed Wander Franco. He's and he's what 20, 21 years old. Eleven years. Eleven years. He got eleven years, hundred eighty-two mil. Okay. There's no way he's a Tampa Bay Ray in eight, or what? It, Montreal Ray or whatever they're called by that, <laughs> in eight years, seven, eight years. There's no way he's he's on that team still. Because mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll dump it, especially because he'll, he'll start hitting the buyout years and, and stuff like that, that I'm sure is in the contract. They'll trade him. He'll, he'll you know, opt out of the contract and, and sign an even bigger one. The, yep. the difference between it is, and this is the one thing that, like, I always take into consideration with Brian Reynolds is Franco's 20, 21 years old. Brian Reynolds is, 20, what, 26, 27? Mid twenties, with yeah. three or four years, four years more of control. Mm-hmm. How how much of an extension are you, are, are are we looking at giving him? That just if five five years, so that's what one year of free agency at when he's thirty one, thirty two. Yeah, so I'm willing. Do you to... really want to start buying free agency years into the mid thirties? Right. Yeah, because at that point, that's more of a risk on the team. Yeah. Yeah, and and it'd be and and so and then what happens? what happens if if they do that and he his body falls apart and stuff like that then we just have fans all over him like they were on Planka. we just have another Planka situation at that point yeah and if you and, remember and, man towards the end of Kutch's tenure here everyone kind of jumped on him yeah yeah 
Yeah. And, and it's, and so like, I think what we should be like looking at is the fact that we were able to, with that trade, to get Brian Reynolds, we were able to start like a cycle that the Rays kind of do. And you trade your star player in turn for a guy that you develop into your next star player who then eventually you hope to trade into your next star player. Yeah. The Rays do it. And, and that's just what we're shooting to do. Yeah. So it, there's, I mean, there's going to come a time to where, yes, Brian Reynolds is going to be traded by the Pirates. Yeah. It, it's just a matter of deciding when is the best time to take the heat for it. Whether it's now, if you can get that insane trade package that Charrington's looking for, which I don't think there's any way any team agrees to that. No, what's he want? Top three prospects? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 an insane amount. Yeah. It's no one's going to give that up for him, and no one's going to give that up for him in the off season. No. At the deadline, yeah. yeah. At the deadline, if someone is like, okay, I really feel like we could throw all our chips in here and win a World Series, maybe. Maybe. And, and even then, like the, the supposed package that I saw on, on Twitter today with, with the Marlins, that's like three guys in the top 100 prospects. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> that's more than that's insane. insane. That's you know, I mean, it, I mean if, if that's a legitimate offer, on, on like if the Marlins were the ones who sent that offer, like I'm saying, okay, um, I'm going to need a couple of days and I'm turning everything off. And that's the only thing I'm focusing. Cause like, that's something you have to seriously consider. Yeah. I mean, cause that at this that point, package is really good. At this point, it's going to have to be an offer that you honestly cannot refuse. Yeah. Because like you said, we have control for Reynolds, what, four more years. And when mm-hmm. he's 25, 26, 25, maybe. 26. So we're reaching thirties here. And that's when risk starts to become a big thing when you start giving extensions into the 30s. There's mm-hmm. a lot of financial risk. And we know the Pirates are all about financial. Uh, yeah. The less financial risk you can take, the better. So exactly. it will have to be an offer you cannot refuse. And mm-hmm. I didn't see the exact players listed, but if there's three in the top 100, dude, I don't. I might take that. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly might. And I know it'll be like shunned, like Charrington oh, will be chased I, out of town. For the first time ever, I would probably not get on Twitter for a day or two Yeah, if, if they did something like that. That's I don't, a shit I don't show. Think, yeah, I don't think I can handle it. Um, <laughs> I, I think, think on the flip side of it too, if you're Brian Reynolds, do you want to sign like a six-year deal or something like that that doesn't put you into free agency until you're 32, 33? when you're probably on the backside of your prime then, or would you rather just, doesn't it, doesn't it make more sense for him just to write it out and he can hit free agency at 30? Yeah, it, it does make more sense, it, but th- there's risk for him too, because teams are going to have to take a yeah, risk on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's kind of yeah. stuck in that in-between stage, man. And, and it's mm-hmm. like, shit, what do I do? Where do I go? Because it's, it's a, you how prove much he wants that you're you prove that you're a 300 type hitter you have pop you have speed in the outfield your glove is one of the best outfield gloves that in the nl central at least like i'm sorry that's a gold glove caliber center fielder 
And he showed he could play the corner outfields. Left field, he played tremendously at, has an arm. So you got to focus on that. But on the back end of your brain, man, you're thinking, shit, like I'm kind of stuck. Because if I sign a contract that is a little less than what I'm worth and I get into my 30s, I'm not getting another big one. No, he's not. So, yeah, I, I kind of feel yeah. bad for B-Ray, man. Like, I kind of feel bad for the dude. It's mm-hmm. a shitty situation to be in. It is. It is. And he proved that he can be a 300 hitter. Like, the, the COVID yeah. year is just a bad year. It wasn't even a year. Yeah. It was he, two months. He, he showed that was a fluke. Yeah, he showed that was a fluke. He, yeah. he's, he's a legit hitter. He's a legit hitter. Um, it's just how... How much are you willing to bet on yourself? You willing to just give in, or are you going to do the Le'Veon Bell and just like bet a hundred percent on yourself? Yeah, man, it did that backfire. <laughs> yeah, I just hope he doesn't like take out strippers and they steal his jewelry and money because like that was a bad time for Le'Veon there, man. Yeah, bad yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> did you happen to see? And this is right before the next topic that we get into, which I'm really excited about. Did you happen to see Keller hitting 100? Yes, that was awesome. I am loving. I, what You know what I like more? I like the little chart that, that he had underneath it, breaking down. The spin rates Like all shit. the other pitches. You see, yeah, you see the, um, the changeup. He had the changeup at 92. Yeah. 92 miles an hour in that changeup. Yeah. And like... John Drecker said it best. He said, Keller has hit 98, 99 plenty of times in his career. But the fact that he's hitting that number in fucking January, that's insanity. And Mm -hmm. there also comes a little bit of risk there too. You know, when you're hitting that high of a velo in January, there also comes a risk of you might be wearing your arm out. You know, that's your top velocity you kind of got to get yeah. scared a little bit there for injury mm-hmm. risk. Keller has shown that he's injury prone. So it's like, yeah. I'm really excited, but I'm also really freaking scared right now. <laughs> but the spin rates I've been, are there. I've been waiting. Oh, the spin rates. Oh, goodness. I, I love the spin rates. Like everything about that little graph there just has me all excited. And like, I've been waiting so long to get to try to get to buy into Mitch Kelly. Like I've, I've just wanted him to work so many times. Yeah. And now this, just this entire off season, I don't think you can not be excited. Yeah, I get like tempering expectations and, and stuff like that. Don't want to be hurt again, What whatever. But like, just look at all the people that we've talked to, who you've talked to and stuff like, like we had, we had Tim on here and he, he was talking about him. We, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just so many people that we've talked to yeah. and have, have said the same thing. And when I talked to and, the facility he was at, they were like, dude, we basically just stopped short arming things. We let him extend his arm out. And that's why he's like doing much better. And, and it makes you wonder, like, let, let me ask you this. If it was that simple of a mechanical fix, and I'm not saying lengthening your arm out simple, but in the terms of baseball, that yeah. is kind of simple what does that put Marin at because why didn't he notice things like that like I give people credit for asking that question you know because that's kind of a simple fix 
yeah. Um, I th- I guess there's probably a couple ways you could be you could look at it. I mean, that's not a good look at first glance. Right. Like you're that's your major league pitching coach, and and if it is something that that was that simple, that's that's not really a good look for for anyone in the organization, really. Because remember, he spent time in in Indianapolis too. Yeah. So not really a good look in general. I don't know how long Mitch has been working with the 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 facilities the facet, at right yeah. now. Yeah. I don't I'm not I'm not sure how long he's been working with them, but if it's been like a long term thing, like he's gone there for a few years and stuff like that, it could probably just be like, you know, we just kind of note like it's a personal thing. Like we just kind of know that maybe this is there. We, you know, because we've been working with them longer, talking with them, that kind of stuff. So I yeah. can kind of see that, you know, every everyone sees everything a little bit different. So maybe they just kind of, it's just something that might've just overlooked. You're working with a full major league pitching staff that rotated through a lot of arms last year. So, you know, maybe it's easy to let something slip through the cracks and something like that. Right. Right. And when, when like the facility can dedicate their time on someone like Mitch, it's maybe easier to see, but big picture thing. Yeah. That's probably not a good look for the pirates. If that's, that's what that is. Yeah, and and Stumpf, Alex Stumpf even pointed it out in his mind it wasn't between the ears shit that was Mitch's issue. It was mechanical. more mechanical. Yeah, you know? and then and, and then that comes out. You find right. that out that yeah. So like yeah, oh, man, maybe that I, is it. It's like Michael Scott. I am prepared to be hurt again. Like, and you know what? I, I'm okay with. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with like so because like there's two ways you can look look at it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've heard this before, whatever, you know, disappointment, you know, he is what he is, he sucks and anything like that. You look at it that he's making the adjustments to try to be better. He's not just coming out there and doing the same thing over and over and over again and just expecting different results. They they went back to the drawing board and came up with came up with something as small as changing the arm angle or, and you know, the release point and all that kind of, you know, something like that. Yeah. And so they're trying, they're looking for it. They're trying to find it. Yeah. And like, how, you know, at least he's doing that. Yeah. And it, what, what is the definition of insanity doing the same thing and expecting different results? Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, he could have just, he could have just taken care of his arm, come back to spring training, whenever that ends up being doing the same thing and hope that maybe they figure something out. Yeah. But no, he went out there and they aggressively looked for a solution and they think they found it. And some of the some of the results are very in, encouraging. Like I, I like after seeing the the spin results and stuff like that, I'd like to go back and kind of look at his numbers from last year. I didn't even think of that till just now to, to kind of see like where he was at last year. Yeah, I'm interested but, in that. Uh, like send me the yeah. link to that. I'm really interested yeah. in that. Yeah, I'll, pro- I'll probably look that up when, when we're done here. And um see what he was kind of spinning at last year and kind of yeah. compare it to some of the stuff he's doing right now. Cause that that's, that'd be interesting to see, but he, he he's trying to make the adjustment and, yeah. and it, I think that's worth getting at least somewhat exciting, excited about. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Mitch Nagy on Twitter. He said he ranked uh, the spin rates, like the top spin rates from last year to the spin rates that were shown then. And I think they were all top 30. Mm-hmm. Like from his curveball yeah. to his fastball yeah. changeup, everything like that. Well, change was it fastball and changeup? I didn't really look at, but the the piece I'm working on right now has a little bit like spin rate stuff included in it. 
So I was mm-hmm. looking at some of the spin rates and his spin rate for for some of those pitches to right right up there. So encouraging stuff, man. Like like you yeah. said, yeah. It, it's something we can hang on to just to leave. like it, yeah. it'll make you want to watch a Mitch Keller start and maybe exactly. not a Bradenton game. May, I don't know I mean, about you though. <laughs> I mean. That's that's why I have like three TVs set up in my room. I wouldn't have to make that decision <laughs> unless unless the lady's playing her video games, man. Then then you got an issue. Then you got an yeah, issue. Then, yeah, I got to sacrifice. I got to sacrifice one then. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you brought up a topic off the air that you wanted to talk about, and I'm really intrigued at this comparison conversation. And that's dealing with you know the two. I don't know if they're the. T- I would say they're the two top pitchers in our organization right now, as far as yeah. prospects go. And that's Quinn Priester, who you wrote an excellent piece on, by the way, for Pride's Prospects. Really like that, man. And Rowanzi Contreras. You wanted to compare the two. And because yeah, this was like a little, I, yeah. I thought that'd be fun. Yeah, a little, little, little dialogue about the two because like they're, it's crazy because like Ronzi, he came out of nowhere last year, really, mm-hmm. and, and elevated himself up to Quinn status as like top prospect and stuff like that. And Quinn kind of took a hit in his in his prospect status, uh, at, at least around like outside. Like I know baseball pro- prospectus didn't have him in their top 100. Yeah. Um, baseball America had him like at 89 or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it was just interesting seeing that. And I thought it was like really like good timing too with like me writing an article on him and then all that stuff kind of unfolding and stuff like that. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts too, like between the two and and stuff like that. So I figured it'd be fun to do this. Yeah. Yeah. You look at you look at Quinn's numbers in Greensboro, and they were kind of all over the place at first. Control was definitely an issue at first. And I think dealing with that ballpark that he was at, I think he was too worried about placement of his pitches, kind of aiming. Mm-hmm. And you would see him miss the plate constantly, down low, down low. And when he would miss bad, it would be in the middle or upper third. Yeah. But mm-hmm. once he started to get going, you saw him pinpoint everything. His fastball yeah. was on point. And that one game that you had footage of, uh, what was it? The seven innings, 10 strikeouts or 11 strikeout game. That Mm -hmm. was one of the most encouraging starts from Quinn that I think we've had to date. And um, was that at home? I don't remember that. That was on the the road. Like all all of the only games I can get were games that um, they were on the road for. So it wasn't in Greensboro, it was at, at Winston-Salem. And yeah, it, it was probably his best start, but it was it was kind of like a microcosm of his entire season. Because like the first inning started off really bad. He let the first three guys get on base. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a base hit and two walks. He was missing guys there. And then he just r- really just like hunkered down, got a strikeout, got a double play to get out of the inning. And then he just kind of just started rolling. Yeah. Like that curveball so far probably of all the pitchers that I've been watching videos on probably the best singular pitch that I have seen so far in the pirate system. Yes. His curveball <laughs> is light years. Uh, light years as far as like those just, guys. Yeah. Break the break in general, the, the, his ability to, to locate it. Um, 
which like, yeah, he does have control issues, but I, I feel like the control issues are mainly off the fastball right now, which for someone like his like prospect status, you know, the prep guy out of the Midwest, you know, kind of raw kind of thing, you would think it's the other way around yeah. with, with him. It was the same, but like his curveball is like light years ahead of like the fastball, at least command wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he, his secondary stuff too, because like he started throwing like a slider this year too. And yeah. um, he throws that, that two seamer as well. That comes in and on the, uh, I didn't see him throw it that much in the games that I saw, but the ones that I did see, like he, he got some pretty weak contact off of it, which was good. Yeah. Um, it's like his surprise pitch. It's like, yeah. let me throw yeah. this, like throw the batter off guard. Kind of I was felt like he he was more comfortable using that than like the changeup, which I guess mm-hmm. would makes make sense. So like I did notice some of the situations that it looked like he might be, um, some of the situations that you would probably expect the changeup, you would get like the two seam. Mm-hmm. So, and then obviously he can use that against righties as well too. That's good in in on the hands and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, for for someone who like you would come in and would think like he was twenty years old in high A in a hitter's ballpark. That's asking uh, like, a lot. The, yeah. The the results, yes. And and from everyone that I've talked to, I've met, messaged out, out out to a couple people to to kind of get their feeling on like the whole drop in status stuff. And and they're they're the biggest things was just because of like the some of the numbers and, and I heard someone say that maybe the fastball velocity was a little bit down. And um but the main thing was strikeout numbers. He didn't really get the strikeout numbers that you would expect out of a top yeah. prospect. Like you've even told me that he said he doesn't really concern himself. He give a shit. He gets an out <laughs> he gets an, yeah. He he just wants to get an out. And he, and he did, he was, and, but like the curveball, as as long as he has that curve, he has the potential to strike out like just as many hitters as, as he needs to. Yeah. It's just like, a lot of his games, he 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 threw those pitches to kind of induce ground balls and to just to get out of the inning kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. And I'm working on a Quinn Priester piece for Pirates prospects as we speak. And I talked to you know a facility manager who's been with Quinn since I'm pretty sure his sophomore year in high school. Um, gave gave a lot of insight to what they've been working on so far. Not going to give anything away. That's 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 for Tuesday. <laughs> that's for Tuesday, guys. But um, yeah, Quinn is definitely has one of the best curveballs I've seen in the system. The only one that I would argue is maybe Yahore. Yahore might yeah. have a curveball that's slightly better, but that's like looking way too far in between shit at that point. I'll I'll have an interesting name for you to come in contention with that on Tuesday. That's all I'll say for this. Yeah. Okay. For what I'm working, yeah. What I'm working on, yeah. So I'll have a new name to throw into that hat right there. Doesn't quite match up with Quinn's, I think, but I got I got a fun name for everyone. I'm looking That's forward to terrible. that. I'm looking yeah. forward <laughs> to that, man. Um. Now we got to talk about Contreras, you know, because you want to do a little comparison. One of the big things for Quinn was strikeout numbers. And for Rowanzi, he was the strikeout king. He didn't have an issue with that. <laughs> no, no. First game in the rain, they lost that game, but he was throwing darts through the raindrops, man. He just looked yeah. locked yeah. in. Yeah. 
his fastball was, was reaching like 97, 98. His mm-hmm. off-speed stuff looked filthy. And then you, you started to see some guys figure him out a little bit, and he started to get into some trouble. Some control mm-hmm. issues started to come, and then that's when the forearm tightness happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're like, shit. That's a guy with high velocity, Tommy John, thinking the worst, yada, yada, yada. He had a velocity bump and then an injury like that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of concern whether or not he'd come back last year at all. Right. I think Contreras, I think what let – like, he's always had pretty good, like, off-speed breaking stuff and all that from everything that I've been able to, to gather. It's what's made the difference was the the bump in the velocity kind of allowed him to use the secondary pitches off that now because you have a 97, 98 mile an hour fastball you can throw up in the zone and then you can just throw that curveball in, in the dirt for, for strike three because yeah. you just threw 98 up at him. So I, I think that that really allowed him to go to the next level. Um I don't, I don't know. He, he, he just rose so fast that you kind of feel like you want to catch your breath on it. Like it wasn't even a year ago that he was like, maybe he's a starter. Maybe he's not a starter. If he's a starter, he's like a four or five. And all of a sudden you're talking about him as being a top of the rotation guy, a better prospect than your, your first round pick from a couple of years ago. So I don't, I don't want to say that he's like, I don't want to say like, you know, Hey, watch out for it. But, maybe we need to kind of hinder some expectations for him next year just to make sure that he can repeat everything. Kind of the Mitch Keller syndrome when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just started, like Mitch just came in and just started striking everybody out. And now, now he's, he's the savior of the rotation. And now it's kind of saying, now I don't think that's the case on there. I, I, I think they've, they found, the you know i don't know if he's a top of the rotation guy but he's he's going to be a starter in the, in the majors who throws upper 90s and can get strikeouts that that fastball explodes out his hand in ways yes. that i until this offseason i hadn't seen keller do it's uh, it's obviously exploding a lot more out of his hand now but mm-hmm. it's not like the fastball comes out and there's life there's movement he can he can throw the slider curveball all that stuff so they're not like it's a good comparison but i talent wise i i think Contreras is a lot more legitimate than than keller would be yeah yeah absolutely um now one thing that i wanted to get into when it comes to Contreras and priester i would like to mention what they both have going for them what could hinder them and who we think, and we're not like legitimate people to be saying any of this, but where we think they end up full majors in the league, no more send downs, call downs, nothing like that. Legitimate in the league kids. Mm -hmm. My opinion, I think Quinn has a better shot at becoming a legitimate, legitimate starting pitcher legitimate that's Mm -hmm. not anything against Rowanzi I think Rowanzi is dynamic yeah but Quinn knows how to get guys out now not just strike guys out Rowanzi showed that too in his couple 
his, his start in a major and, and things of that mm-hmm. sort. I'll give him that. But I think Quinn started to figure shit out towards the end of the Greensboro season. Yeah. And when you can do that in a hitter's ballpark at the age of 20 years old in high A, that most likely means you're moving up to double A and 23 and a much more pitcher friendly ballpark. Mm-hmm. What kind of numbers is Quinn going to put up there? Is he going to disappoint? There's a possibility, but so, I think Quinn might move up the ladder faster and be more legitimate. I like, so he's going to be 21 pretty much all of 2022. I think his birthday is like early September, yeah, middle of September, something like that. So he's going to be 21 in double A. I think if you're, he can, I can definitely see a scenario where he, this is the year. He's out of the, the hitter's ballpark. This is the year that everyone expected to, him to have last year. He comes mm-hmm. in. He learned how to pitch because he had to learn how to pitch in Greensboro. Yes. Or else, like, his already not-so-great numbers at home would have been even worse. Yeah. <laughs> so now he knows how to pitch. Now he's going to take that in a more hitter-friendly ballpark. Now, I, I think the, the, the bigger thing is going to be, like, he is 21 years old. Don't don't rush him. There's right. there's right. And unless he completely blows everything up and is just like striking everybody out and putting up like insane numbers, I don't think there's any reason that he needs to be in triple A this year. Yeah. Maybe maybe first start. Maybe first start. Maybe they reward him with the start. Now I, I, I do agree with you on that, but to be fair, Rowanzi was twenty one in Altoona. Yeah, he was still younger. He was still on the younger side too, but I also feel like he had more pitching experience than than Quinn does at this point. That's fair. Yeah. Cuz okay. you know, it's more of a you know, coming from the Dominican, it's probably more of a lifelong commitment kind of thing. Not saying that like obviously not saying Quinn's not committed, but like, you know, he played football and and baseball right. in high school and cold weather, Midwest stuff. There's elements working against mm-hmm. you. Dominican yeah. he, he could just kind of do you know so I feel like from the pit that pitching side Baronzi's a little more ahead than Quinn is at this point I I think that the way I think it works is Quinn has a higher ceiling like mm. he, he he can shoot up higher than I think Baronzi can but I think Baronzi's the the safer one Contreras is safer okay I can I, I feel that. like I feel yeah. like yeah. So like worst case, him throwing like ninety-eight, like he perfect for the bullpen. Or even then, can you imagine the number five pitcher that can throw ninety-eight? Like, yeah. Yeah. That, with I mean, legitimate with number five with pitcher, legitimate off speed like stuff. Yeah. You're thinking like eighty eight, eighty nine for, for your last start or something like that. Those this guy can crank it up to, yeah. yeah. This guy can crank it up to the upper nineties. Yeah. So I think quick the, the thing that's holding Quinn back from everything that I can see is, is is just the command. It just has to hit his spots better. When he got in trouble, he was leaving the fastball too too much over the plate. Um, control. I mean, the the curveball, the other pitches, he has a pretty good feel for. It's it's going to come down. Can he locate the fastball to where they're not going to hit it hard? Yeah. And, and so. you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, all of this, Contreras, Priester, all, all, you know, we talk about a lot of pitching prospects. And unfortunately, not everyone's going to pan out. There's going to be situations no. where 
oh, that sucks. You know what I mean? So do you see this happen? I mean, of course it can, but in your heart of hearts, brain of brains, is this going to happen to these two? Or is one going to stick out more than the other as a bigger disappointment? Because we have to talk about that. Yeah. So yeah, anything can happen. Nothing, nothing's a given. If, if, if it was a give, if like, there'd be no, I, I don't, it, it just, we wouldn't be having anything to talk about if it wasn't. Right. If everything was a given. But I think, I think that these two right here, they have shown the small little things to where they may not be top of the rotation guys. They, that may not even be their true potential. And, and like some, someone, may, someone uh, had commented on something saying that like 20 years old and high A, it's kind of unfair to put like a, like a projection on him at this point, which I guess is a good point. But with the stuff that they already, I feel the margin of error for, for them specifically is a lot lower than than most prospects, even high end prospects. That you know, Quinn throws five pitches and 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 that curveball and stuff like like that's okay. Worst case can, worst case scenario, both of these guys are your fourth and fifth pitcher. And can you imagine having two former hundred top hundred prospects at your fourth and fifth starting pitcher? Yeah, I mean, you're talking. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> this is me looking way too far in the goddamn future, but like you're talking like pennant tight rotation with those kind of guys as your four and five yeah and that I mean, sounds ridiculous that point, i know if you're talking about them is like so obviously some of the skill and stuff like that's come back something's happened to where like like they've regressed on their progression and stuff like that so like yeah you don't you probably don't get as hyped for like at, at that point it takes like a mitch keller kind of collapse to so like we're we're talking about them probably in the same same stratosphere as we were talking about Mitch Keller and stuff like that you know will he finally figure it out and stuff but to think like the little stuff that they can do already they're 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 pretty safe bets that I think that they can contribute in some way regardless yeah so and and to like to to make a point here Keller grew up in the system with a completely different game plan Management had completely different game plans for these kids, kind of cookie cutter type deal. Now, I'm not saying there aren't cookie cutter type philosophies in Charrington's system. I'm sure there are. You see a lot of guys with the short arm stuff. That I don't know if that's just Vic Black or, or what's going on here. But they have a much more, a better grasp on things when it comes to advanced analytics and kind of marriaging the two old school and analytic method. And <laughs> that sounds really stupid when, when, when you talk about it, but they Contreras and Priester have a much better chance at figuring shit out in the minors, as opposed to Keller when he was just striking dudes out and getting to the majors quickly. Yeah. Triple A is where everything changed for Pirates prospects under the Neil Huntington era. They did great in double A, great in high A, low A, things of that sort. And then when they got to triple A, shit started to kind of roll downhill and issues started to come up. And Mm -hmm. things weren't getting fixed the way that we needed to. You know, you see guys like Tyon kind of fizzle out. And yeah, he was injured, had cancer. That kind of thing happens. And you kind of feel bad for the guy 
what could have happened. Mm-hmm. But you have guys like Garrett Cole who could strike everyone and their mother out, and you're telling them to pitch the contacts. So thank God that that system has gone away. And mm-hmm. basically what I'm trying to say is these kids have a much better chance at learning and figuring things out than, say, a Mitch Keller did. That's all yeah. I got to say on that, you know? You, they have more resources available to them. And yes. that goes into to their their commitment to kind of fund the, 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 the dollar amounts that don't show up in the payroll that, that people like to complain about. Mm-hmm. Those, those dollars go to trying to develop these kids better than they were developed previously. Yeah, I mean, which makes you, their margin of error a lot better. You mentioned the Rays; they do the same yeah. thing. They spend money on their minor league organization. That's what you so have to do in a small market system. Yeah, you, you just turn over again. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the turnover is where everyone gets pissed off. But that's yeah. what you have to do. Like, if you're mm-hmm. gonna be a part of this fan base you gotta get used to turnover it's just what happens you know it's like oh i've been heartbroken so many times well you kind of need to prepare yourself for this shit because being a pirates fan is not easy being a small market fan isn't easy no i I don't know man like it's it's a whole mess when it when you come to pirates fan talk (laughs) but (laughs) i i really do dig this conversation with Contreras and Priester because they have emerged as the top pitching prospects in our system. Um, at least, you know, two of the top. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like I said, I think both of them have a legitimate shot at panning out. And like you said, worst case scenario, four or five, but best case scenario. And I know this is like on the opposite end of the spectrum here, but are you talking one, two, <laughs> like ace and sub ace. So I, I think I think this is a question, and I, I'm going to take your question. I'm going to turn it into another question and ask you first. Okay. So let's say they both reach the height of their potential, and we're in Game Seven of the World Series. Oh shit! At okay. the, when they're both at the peak of what you think they can be, who's who's getting the ball? If, if it was up to you. Oh, man, there's a lot of underlying factors involved with that, too. Like, do we have veteran presence on the team, like a Burnett-type person? They're, they're, they're the they're, – no, these are your two choices. Those they're are my two. Those are the point. only two. Okay. They, yeah, these are your two options. Oh. They're both veterans at this point. They have both reached their max potential. Max potential. Max potential. I got to roll with Quinn. I just have to. I think his off-speed stuff has a much more legitimate shot at getting batters out than, say, a Contreras. And you can't just live off your fastball. Mm -hmm. This isn't a one-inning pitcher like Mariano Rivera with a cutter. You have to have a multitude of pitches to last. So I think just because... Quinn has more advanced off-speed stuff, in my opinion. I go with Quinn. I'm assuming you're going to go with Rowanzi, but I don't know. I'm, I'm okay. So I'm going to be funny here first, and I'm going to take the cop out, and I say I'm going to pitch them both four innings, and then David Bednar did ninth. 
So <laughs> that was clearly the right, right answer. But <laughs> no, I, I think God. At, at this point, I, I still think Quinn has the higher upside. Like I said, I, I feel like Contreras is the, is the safer one. And I think if, if you take into factor that everyone probably doesn't quite make it to the height of their potential. Yeah. At that point, I'm probably toward, leaning towards Contreras. But at peak potential, I, I, I think I think I would go with Quinn if I can't pitch them both four innings. I'm surprised you're not going JT, just throwing him in. I, okay, JT in the night. <laughs> oh, you got him in the bullpen like I want. Okay, that's cool. I, no, it's post, postseason, man. You throw everyone out there. <laughs> no, no, no. That, Everyone's that's in the a, bullpen. That's a tally mark for me, my brother. That's a tally mark I mean, okay. for me. <laughs> so if we're talking game 162 and winning in, if I have to choose between Quinn and Contreras, I'm taking JT. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. That's but fair. if we're in the World Series and everyone's available, I'm pitching Quinn four innings, Contreras four innings, <laughs> and JT the ninth. No, 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 no. JT pitches one. Bednar comes out for two. And then you <laughs> – but you do a double switch, have JT at third base, and then you have JT pitch the third. You got to switch. That's okay. what we'll do. I'm good. I'm cool with that. Okay. Maybe you put JT at first base. It's much more easier spot I, than the hot First base order. is probably safer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can dig that, though. I, I get your reasoning behind that. You know, Qu- Quinn does have a much higher ceiling from what we've seen, what we've read, what we've witnessed. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Contreras, who do you think Contreras has reached close to his ceiling already? I don't think so. I don't. No. I'm, I think. I you think, think there's much more very, room to go. There, I think they're very. I mean, because you have to remember too, like his season was like he didn't pitch a full season, right? So they're like on the trajectory he was going, very well could have been more in the tank that he could have he could have uh, lifted up to. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll we'll have to see next year. I mean, you can also look at it, at it the the other way. Like maybe that was just a small sample size. Maybe he comes back down to earth a little bit. I don't know, but if anything, I'm keeping Rowanzi in AAA the entire year. I don't I care know, what I know anyone he starts says. There. I know he starts there. Yeah, but. I don't, I don't see how you, I don't see, list me five guys, list me five pitchers that you would rather have than Contreras if he continues this, this path he's on, that you would rather finish out the year with. Name five players. Continues the path he's that not he was being, on pre- Like last year. IR. Like, like, yeah. Like he was, on the way he was going. The trajectory he was going name five pitchers that 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 keeps him out of that rotation in Pittsburgh oh I can't can. you can't no yeah JT can't even hold a bet <laughs> if he if he if he, if he continues that way that was but, hard for you so, to say wasn't it? it it was and I'm doing it to prove a point <laughs> <laughs> Contreras give me one JT's two okay one a one but yeah exactly but uh so yes, you start him there. You make sure that he has all the details hammered out. He got his little taste. You can make any adjustments. Yeah. A couple months down there isn't going to hurt anybody. You can monitor his, his innings a lot better in AAA. Yeah. Um, 
but there's going to come a point to where if he's what we we think he is and what he showed last year there's going to come a point to where you're not going to be able to make a legitimate argument about him being in Indianapolis over Will Crow or, or Max Pranick or whoever else is, is pitching in the rotation at the time. You, so, probably, you, you could, you could almost legitimately make a case that there shouldn't be anyone that's depending on CBA and service time and stuff like that. There's probably a case to be made that he should just start the year in, in, in Pittsburgh. But I, yeah, I get you. I get, I get you there. Now, do you think they're going to use him like they were going to use Yohore before injury issues make spot starts they, go back down? I, they could, they could, they could, I would prefer not to, because it just so much of me felt like uh, Yohore can never get like a, a rhythm set. And that was part of my argument too, with Max Granick for, for a little bit that like just just let him get into some sort of rhythm and stuff like don't take his keep him bouncing up and down and yeah and, and just let him pitch when you bring I, I want Contreras when you bring him up that's the only time you're going to be calling him up he's up for the rest of the season okay okay now <laughs> one game equals one year of service time is that what you want <laughs> if one year equals so, so I saw the, I saw the one thing that they said like if he's any if like he's in top whatever of any voting or anything like that, it automatically counts the full year. Mm-hmm. Um, if that goes through, I mean, I'm still pitching. I'm still because I, you know, he he missed some time, so I'm not going to want him in the major league rotation all year. I'm still going to wait a month or two that I can kind of pitch him oh, three yeah. or four innings. Same thing three with three or Cruz. four innings, and yeah, kind of push him up and stuff like that. But when he's ready to go, let him go. I mean, let the kids serve his time. Yeah, that's where you're at. Okay. Service time, whatever. I, you're looking if if you have six years of Contreras. I mean, what with the way that the build's going, you're hoping to be competitive for like four of them. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, year. develop develop one two years, get a status, get get your feet under you. I see yeah. it. I see it. But I'm more of the conservative out of the both of us. I like to be much more cautious. Um, but if yeah. I, you know, when I play GM in games, man, I'm, I'm sending all the young kids up already. <laughs> like Cruz is there, Contreras, Yohore, don't matter. <laughs> I, but in real life, I'm much more conservative just because of anxiety yeah. at that point. Um, but yeah, you, you got to let them like play. You turn budget off on the show. You can turn budget off on the show. So you, like service time be damned you just sign everyone to max contracts <laughs> <laughs> see i i don't like to i like to run the way things are run just with, with a different twist you know it's a little bit um but it's all good man it yeah. this was a fun ass conversation i must say murph it's cool gl- i'm glad to have you back on the show man hey, i back. missed you and mm-hmm. i know I know Maurice missed you, aka baseball and death missed you. <laughs> um, shout out to you, man! God damn, Absolutely. I love you. He's yeah, he's the best. He is, he is. He's always showing support and love, man. Yes. And uh, you know the podcast is taking off, guys. It, it's it really is starting to take off. We're nearing uh, eight hundred downloads lifetime, uh, so one thousand is right around the bend. Uh, we're close to forty subscribers. So, you know, it seems like small potatoes compared to your bigger pirate pot podcasts, but we're moving up guys. Got to give it yep. time. 
we're like the pirates now <laughs> we're rebuilding when, when are we tra- when, when am i getting traded like we'll no 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 no. you're the cornerstone you're the cornerstone Sweet. okay so so four years then yeah yeah you got six years of service time you're still good right, so man. four and a half five years okay we're good yeah oh yeah for try sure it. i might trade you with one year of service time left try to flip you for a bigger deal Sweet. can't wait to hit free agency <laughs> stump if you're listening i'm trading for you man insider trading right there nice. <laughs> but no murph this this has been a fun episode man L- lots of good talk I- i'd say it started off on an angry note with the, the hall of fame talk but it ended on a bright note that's that's how this podcast yeah. rolls um but guys i would really appreciate it if you would like rate and subscribe to the podcast we got our first ever one-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That got me hyped. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> it just did. Yeah. That's cool. I, we, we're, we're working on a short list of people who we feel like it could have been. I, I, I know who it is. I, I already know who it is. We know who it is. <laughs> um, oh, one more thing. Have you been uh, doing Wordle? No, not yet. You sent me that link for it, and I haven't started it yet. And, like, I'm not ready for another addiction or whatever like that, because everyone just seems, like, it just everyone's all it's yeah. so addicting i wait till midnight every night and i'm like all right what's this word i'm right. i'm horrible i'm horrible with those things i am horrible with like word searches any any kind of thing where i have to sit there and and think like that no nope see Not i like I, it like keeps my mind off of crazy shit so it's like all right cool i'd rather think about crazy shit <laughs> <laughs> oh man But anyways, you lovely, lovely people listening to this show, that's going to do it for another episode of the Murfanko Experience. Like I said, like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get the podcast. And as usual, we're going to give out our socials so you can follow us in our future projects. So I'll start off with myself. I would appreciate a follow on Twitter. That's at Murfanko, M-U-R-P-H-A-N-K-O. Tweet a lot of videos and and lots of insights and some funny shit. I won't lie. I'm pretty funny when it comes to the Twitterverse. Um, Not as funny as some people, though. Um, And I would appreciate a follow on Instagram as well. Getting a lot of traction with that. It's at Murfanko, same way spelled on Twitter, underscore experience. Um, Yeah. And that's all my socials. Big Bear, give out your lovely socials, man. As always, give me a follow at double underscore Murphy 88. Always find my work on Pirates Prospects now. Um, I'm probably going to give it another month or so and all that. If you want some general random baseball stuff, I'll probably be starting back some stuff with through defense baseball at some point. Not too much to talk about right now because lockout stuff, but yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, any Any insight as to what you're working on? I know you said you got something – don't give away too much, but I'm curious. The people are curious. I included, I pulled up numbers for minor league spin rates and compared it to major league spin rates. So I know that's going to get a certain reaction from a certain, some people about me comparing stuff to major league stuff. So. Okay. All right. So. I think I know who you're talking about as far as the people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) no that's some fun stuff um like i said i got some stuff on quinn priester coming soon um also have some updates on some prospects talk to some guys got some videos some pretty damn good updates i'd say it seemed to get some good traction on pirates prospects um 
always going to have around the horn on Pittsburgh baseball now. And, you know, some other opinion pieces. I, I love to give opinion pieces on Pittsburgh baseball. Now. I, I just love opinion pieces because it gets conversations started. Yeah. Um, but yeah, guys, that that's all our socials. That's all our projects going on. Like rate and subscribe. Like I said, and we love you very, very much. And as always, let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks. Thank you.